Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, open it to John chapter 11. We'll eventually be there and reference a very important verse in that chapter. Today, the title of my message is The Great Exchange, Life for Death. And that is what is available to you today, the great exchange, the divine exchange. But don't let anyone sell you something less on what it is. The great exchange isn't what Christianity somehow has become in many circles today. Well, here's the great exchange. Are you ready? Uh, God, if you come to Jesus and give your life to Jesus, your empty bank account will be full. No, it won't. That's not what Jesus does in a life. Or if you come to Jesus, all your trials will go away. Not. A matter of fact, following Christ as a new believer, you're going to find you'll have more difficulties, not less. You want to know why? Because as a born-again believer, you now have a spiritual battle on top of everything else. No, the great exchange is very simple. It's much greater and grander than many have described it. The great exchange is that God is willing to give you life for your spiritual death. He's willing to make you from the inside out a new creation in Christ so that in your life old things will pass away and all things will become new. The great exchange is that your sin will be replaced by the righteousness of Christ. Your shame and guilt will be removed. You can walk in forgiveness and trust God with your life. He will give you hope for hopelessness and help for helplessness. God is ready to secure your eternal future even today. And you know, as you look around, God is doing something new in our day. God's pouring out his spirit in a fresh new way, moving among us. And listen, it's our responsibility as sons and daughters to wake up and pay attention and to get into the flow of what God is doing on the earth today. We can't be longing for the way it was in the past. We can't be trying to, to, to correct all the different things that we've left in our past. We can't live under the weight of regret. We need to trust God with what he's doing in our lives today and get along with his program, sacrificing our own. And so here we are, another Easter, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. We are gathering together, worshiping together. And I want you to know I'm not one of those pastors that makes fun of people that only come to church on Easter and Christmas. I don't. I'm glad you're here. Maybe this will be the beginning of something grand and glorious in your life. I mean, you need, truly, you need you need Jesus Christ in your life, and you need to be with believers more than Christmas and Easter for sure. But when you're here, we're glad you're here. I'm glad that of all the choices that was before you today, you chose to be in church. Now, you may not want to be here. That's a different story. But I can respect that. I mean, I can respect the place where, I mean, who, who in their right mind would want to come to a gathering and hear the heaviness that's what you're about to hear, the heaviness of where your life is compared to God. I mean, nobody would really want to choose that, but here you are. You came with mom, you came with grandma, you came because you were invited, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you're here with your brother or your sister, or you just walked in wondering what all the cars were doing there in that big brown building on the corner. Well, that big brown building 
is the house of God. It's where the people of God come to worship. It's where God does something special. It's like a building. It's like all the rest of the buildings on this street, except that when the church shows up, it comes alive. This property has been dedicated to the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ, that your sins can be forgiven. So there is something special about it. And here we are, another Easter. So what is Easter anyway? What's it about? Is it about family and friends? Is it about eggs and bunnies? Candy and dinner? I mean, sure, a lot of that surrounds the lives of so many as Easter is celebrated and it comes and goes. But what about the issues of life and death? Is Easter about that? The issues of life and death. You know, on Easter we, is the day that's commemorating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus coming to life. So, so talking about the resurrection, we have to talk about death because there is no resurrection without the cross. There is no new life unless there was death. And we learned on Good Friday together in our service in the afternoon, we learned about what the Bible word scourging means. It was a word that described the vicious beating of Jesus by Roman guards, beating to the point of death. And then after he was scourged, he was then laid upon a cross. He carried part of the cross with him, and then his hands were nailed, his feet were nailed. They put him up on with his arms outstretched. Many, as we learn, their arms would even be stretched by inches as they were hung on the cross and then dropped into the hole to die a torturous death. We learned that. Jesus died, and he was placed into the tomb and sealed, put some Roman guards there to protect him, and the rest of his friends, they left discouraged, defeated, We know that because in Luke's gospel, chapter 24, three days later, Jesus rises again from the dead and he met these two guys walking home and he told them, why are you guys so sad and sorrowful? And really, you know what their answer was? It was very basic. Their answer was, and they didn't say this, but I'm paraphrasing it. We only have half the story, Jesus. Don't you know? They didn't know it was Jesus yet. We only have half the story. And as they describe it, they're like, didn't you hear what happened? Jesus was killed and buried and everything's done and we'll have to go back to our lives. And and didn't you hear? But they were only living half. And I dare say today, there are many listening to me that are only living half a life as well. The physical realm. You're only living half a life. A life for the things of this world, the things that captivate our attention. I mean, chasing after a lot of money, it's only half. Climbing up the corporate ladder, it's only half. Building up a life so that in the latter years we can have a comfortable retirement, it's only half. It's only half. You're living life on the physical realm, on the physical plane. And let me say that God did design us to live life on the physical plane. Many of the things I mentioned, there's nothing wrong with them in the right perspective. God would have us to use everything that he's given to us for the glory of God. So that's not the issue. The issue is, is are you alive spiritually? Do you know, when you go back in our history, our real history, in the Bible, to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, when you go back to the book of Genesis, you'll learn about this Beautiful, perfect, pristine garden that God created. It was was beautiful and perfect, and at the end he said he was well pleased. 
And he created a man by the name of Adam and a wife for him, Eve. Two real human beings living in history, the beginning of history. And he placed them in this garden and said, enjoy it all. You can have it all. It's all yours. Enjoy every part of it. Enjoy the plants. Enjoy the animals. Enjoy one another. All of it is yours, except there's one thing you, you won't enjoy. Don't, don't go there. You won't enjoy it. It's not good for you. Don't, don't even, don't, just, just enjoy everything else. But that one tree, don't touch it. Let it go. Trust me. I mean, you think of in your own life, you can hear the echoes of God telling you some, some of the same things. Just trust me. Don't go there. Don't do that. Just trust me. Just, just trust me. I've been true in the past. I'll be true in the future. Just trust me. Well, many of you that know your Bible, you know the story. They decided, like all of us as humans, yeah, I can enjoy everything, but the one thing you said we can't have, that's what I want. And they went and took of that fruit. They took of the fruit and immediately suffered the consequences. Remember what the consequences were? The consequences were, in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. And yet, as they ate of the fruit, you can just go to the next verse and the next verse, and they just keep living life. They run away from God. They have this conversation. They're just, they're still alive, which has caused some confusion for folks that read the Bible. Go, wait a minute, wait a minute. It doesn't make any sense. God said that if they ate it, and they did, they would die, but they're still alive. And there you would have learned one of the most foundational principles of life itself. And that is this. You are more than your body. You are more than your body. You are actually made up of body, soul, and spirit. You're more than your body, which means there's more to life than just living in the realm of connecting with each other in the physical realm. You have a spirit. You have a soul. So in the day that they ate it, they died spiritually. Because up to that point, they were completely, fully connected with God and each other. They enjoyed fellowship, relationship. And by the way, that Bible word fellowship, it just means to share together. So much of life is sharing together. And so there they are, enjoying one another, enjoying God. And in the day they disobeyed, they died spiritually. And so half-life is living physically but being dead spiritually. Easter reminds us that life is available to the spiritually dead. That God is ready to work in your life. He is ready to replace hopelessness with hope and even life for death, eternal life. That's why I asked you to open to John's gospel there in chapter 11. In chapter 11, Jesus is at another scene of great loss, of death. You know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It's still true today. It's a universal principle. So what we have is many people today, perhaps even some of you, that came in here and you're alive physically, very successful, have everything you've ever wanted. You're dreaming even for bigger things, but you're not spiritually alive. You're living half a life, half a life that's going to end dramatically poorly for you. You see, Jesus would come to this town of Bethany 
His friends, Mary and Martha, called for him because their brother was sick. By the time he got there, their brother already died, and Jesus is trying to console Martha and help her understand the perspective that he can only give. And what does he say in verse 25 of chapter 11? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that is the question of the day. Jesus alone is the resurrection and the life. He alone is the way to the Father. Jesus would put it a different way in another part of the Bible where Jesus would say very emphatically, Jesus stands and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. There there are not two or five or ten ways to eternal life. There's only one, and it's through Jesus. So all of history, including your precious life, hinges upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And what a privilege it is for me to share and an honor to remind you that Jesus is the only right way to a right relationship with God. There is no alternative. Only he can forgive sin. Only he can change your life. And Jesus, the Savior of the world, is alive. It's good news. Your sins can be forgiven. You can walk in newness of life. You can have life in the physical and also life in the spiritual. Jesus lived, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And because he rose again, we can have life. You know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ validated and authenticated everything that he said and did. He, he, rising from the dead, fulfilled the predictions or the prophecies that were given to us in the Bible. Now, I know that when we talk about singular ways, when we talk about the restrictions of God, there are some that will buck up against that, not be too happy about it. Like, for example, you may be thinking today, well, wait a minute, Ed, I thought there were a lot of different religions out there. There are. And a lot of different philosophies and way to live my life. There, there are. Not only are there established religions and philosophies, but people make up new stuff all the time. And one of the things that God gave you when he created you was the ability to make the choice of how you want to live your life. It's your choice. You know, God will not force himself upon you. He will not make you follow him. He he will not make you believe in him. It's a choice. If you want to choose an alternative path, you do so at your own peril. But God will allow you to go wherever you want to go. Many religions, I would say we live literally in a minefield of false teachings, false uh, feel-good theologies, and substitute saviors. But I want you to consider just for a moment as you compare them to the claims of Christ, that all of these other religions and philosophies, they all share a common thread. You know what it is? Their founders are all dead. And they didn't rise again. They're gone. They might have left their teachings. They may have left their sayings. They may have people following them. But they are not alive to authenticate and validate what they've taught. No, they couldn't. Even some promised, oh, I'll rise again, and people are still waiting for it to happen. It isn't going to happen. Because of Jesus alone, he is the only name. 
by which a man or a woman can be saved. There is alone, no one else. But Ed, pastor, pastor, wait a minute. I was raised with this thought that all roads lead to God. It's a common phrase. Anybody hear that? All roads lead to God. And if roads become a metaphor to those religions and philosophies, so you could say all these different things, all these different paths, they all lead to God, you may be surprised with what I'm about to say, but don't be. I agree with you. All roads lead to God. I I agree with you. Now, before you cut that out and post it on YouTube that Ed has gone over the ledge, hear me out. Hear me out. If philosophies and religions and everybody think whatever they're into, your own truth, you do you, all that stuff, if if they all lead to God, then, then what does that mean exactly? Well, I'll tell you. Everyone will answer to God for their life, no matter what choice you make. Everyone will have to stand before God and give account for their life and what they did with the message of the gospel of the good news that their sins could be forgiven. For those that choose a route apart from Christ, the road you're on will lead to God at a very important place. The Bible describes it as the great white throne judgment. You see, you don't want to be there. You don't want to be at the great white throne judgment. Right now, God has given you grace and patience on how you make your decisions. But once you're at the great white throne judgment, there are no second chances. There is no backing out. There is no changing your mind. At the great white throne judgment, men and women that have rejected Christ their whole life will have to give an account to the holy, righteous God of the choices that they made. And the only response of the Father at that moment will be the full wrath of God coming upon you to live a Christless eternity forever. You don't want to be at the great white throne judgment. So yeah, yeah, all roads lead to God. But listen, not all roads lead to life. There's only one road that leads to life. The, the, the path is very narrow. And not many people are on it. It is not the popular choice. The popular choice is everything else. No, the, the way is not easy. Because the broader way, the other choices are so much more easier. But Jesus taught us, and we know this to be true, that only one road leads to eternal life. So, so you, even you respond to that, you go, wait a minute, pastor. Guy up there in the suit and tie, pastor. Are you saying that all of my life I'm a good person. I'm moral. I've done so many good deeds. You have no idea. I'm on all these service clubs. I'm in the Key Club, and I'm in Kiwanis, and I'm a part of the Chamber of Commerce. I I have helped my neighbor. I help him clean this up, and I've I've done everything. Even you don't want to talk about church, pastor? Okay. I was baptized in the church. I did what my parents told me to do. I I have been married in the church. I've got all the paperwork. I have everything. I even have a Bible under the television. And you are telling me that amounts, does that not amount to anything? No, no, it actually does amount to a lot. I mean, don't you agree that our culture needs good people, moral people, kind people, people that sacrifice for their neighbors? Of course, but it doesn't amount to anything apart from Christ. It's just temporary. No, it's not. Let me even put it a different way. 
Let's look at it from a different perspective. Can I just ask you those still arguing, those still resisting, can I just ask you some key questions like this? How many good deeds do you think you need to do in order to offer to God compared to the goodness of Christ? How many? How many do you think you could possibly do that would compare to the perfect light of Christ? Or your morality, and you're just desiring to do. How much morality do you think you need to accumulate to offer to God as opposed to what Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, has offered on your behalf? How about this? What sacrifice could you have ever possibly offered in this life that could compare to the savior of the world dying a torturous death on a Roman cross, completely innocent? It isn't going to compare. It can't. Oh, we need good and we need morality, but it's not going to get you salvation or the forgiveness of sin. Let me ask you one more question. How do you think you're going to get to heaven without Jesus? How's that going to happen? Explain it to me. Well, you know, my guru said this, and guru, well, it's going to get you right to the great white throne. Well, you know, I was watching this YouTube video, and this gal said such and so. I think, no, it's going to get you to the great white throne. Like, all those paths are going to bring you to the place of judgment. Why? Because Jesus Christ, we learn on Good Friday, we learn in the Bible, he took the pain and penalty of your sin upon himself. So therefore, he's the only one, the blood that showed. John the Baptist would see him, his cousin, he would see him coming and go, that is the Lamb of God. He's not a Lamb of God. He's not some Lamb of God. That's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's the one. And only by faith in him can a person be forgiven. You know, the big problem in the room today is very simple. Again, may not make you feel comfortable, but sometimes the truth stirs up things in our hearts and lives. This is the problem among us today. The problem is sin. It's not abstract. It's not Jesus died for sin. Jesus died for my sin. Jesus died for your sin. It's not abstract. Now, of course, you don't need a pastor preaching to you. I mean, I guess I could. I guess I could come up and maybe in one of our staff meetings, like, okay, guys, let's think of 100 different sins so that I can read the list of 100 sins, and by the time I'm done, everyone will be guilty. But you know, I don't need to do that because you already know. You already know. I don't need to go digging, following, looking. You already know. Why? You don't want to know why you know? Because God created you with a conscience. You have an innate ability to know the difference between right and wrong. Now, it's different for each of us. So, like, the good news is, is that the, our conscience isn't going to be even how we get to heaven. It's by the Spirit of God. So, all of us have a different set of values apart from Christ. We were raised differently, raised in a different... Like, we all have a different set. But I'll tell you what, no matter what set of values you were raised with, someone, somewhere is going to cross the line. And you know what you're going to say? That was wrong. Well, how can you say that? Who are you to tell somebody they're wrong? Well, I'll tell you, your conscience. You do the same thing to yourself. You know, it's very, very difficult for you to cross that line. But when you keep crossing it, you know what happens? A person's heart gets hard. And they start stuffing it. And they don't pay attention to it. And it becomes much more difficult, that sense of right and wrong. See, the problem is sin. 
The problem is your sin and mine. Apart from him, it only brings condemnation and death. We just beat ourselves up over it. And if you don't beat yourself up all, over the, all the time, then you kind of live in a sense where you don't feel anything. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'm not even going to deal with it. Nobody can tell me what to do, especially the church. And they're just filled with hate and all the other types of labels they like to do. No, no, no. It's not hate at all. A friend will always tell you the truth. In love, like we, because we love you. I'm glad that someone told me the truth. I needed to hear it. No, I didn't want to hear it. And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm not the problem. Marie's the problem. She's the, she's the problem. That's my wife, by the way. She's the problem. She's not the problem. I was the problem. But you know what? She had her own problems. <laughs> she needed Jesus too. Like today, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you might confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Why? Because with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Because it's on the cross that Jesus died for all the wrong things we've done. On the cross, Jesus died for all the wrong places we've gone, all the wrong thoughts we've ever thought, everything about our lives in sin. A remedy has been provided. The resurrection of Jesus makes all the difference in the world. Time and time again, Jesus would point to the validation of his ministry and teachings as God in human flesh. He says, by the resurrection, that Jesus is alive. He's alive now. He's alive in this room, in so many people. He's present among us. That's why in just a few moments, you're going to head out, you're going to drive away, the room will become empty again, and it immediately becomes an empty, lifeless building. Concrete and drywall and wires, whatever else is in there. It's only when the church shows up where life shows up. Because Jesus lives in every true believer. And you know, the only way to deal with your conscience, the only way to deal with the heaviness of guilt and regret, is the only way to have your sins cleansed and removed is to come clean with Jesus and confess them to God. It's the only way. Now, I know it doesn't sound like anything significant, but you're surrounded with people that have witnessed the power of the resurrection. Even in my own life, thinking about it, how can we not think about Easter and thinking about the life of Christ without thinking about what he has done in our lives? Now, we have a tendency to think, oh, I have so much more to go, and I have so far to go, and it's going to be so... But, but I always like to remind others, and even myself, it's not so much, look how far you have to go. Here's, here's what will encourage you. Look how far you've come. Look at where you were, and now in Christ, what he has done in your life. And if he's brought you this far, he hasn't brought you this far just to drop you and move on to someone else. The Bible promises that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And only the Christian can claim that promise. So that you would open yourself up to the work of the Spirit. Because here you are, where you are in status in life. And, you know, some of you are in really difficult spots. Some of you are really successful. And, and I would just say to you, okay, so, so, okay, so, so what has that done for you? How's it working out for you? And you might say, oh, it's great. It's wonderful. Look at my life. It's wonderful. It's great. Except that you're only living half a life. <laughs> so it might be as best, the best that you could possibly get, but you're only getting half of it. 
because you're going to have a great life, however you define it now, and then die a Christless eternity because the great white throne is in your future. Yeah, you know, Easter's got a lot of things connected to it. A lot of fun, some of the dinners and families and, and beautiful dresses and, and happiness and baskets. There's so much. But don't ever neglect, please, the real significance of Easter. And that is the understanding that we have all sinned against a holy and a righteous God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That whoever would confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in their heart, God raised him from the dead. You know, every real gospel presentation is going to include the resurrection. God raised him from the dead. He's alive right now, inviting you into a relationship with him. And what's waiting, and what's still waiting is your repentance. That's a part of the gospel too. Because it's not just he said I'm a sinner, you come to God and say, I have sinned against you. And I, God, ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to live my life the way you designed it for me. I want the whole package. I want to make a difference for you. You know, that's where, that's where goodness is done with the motive of pleasing God. That's where morality is done to live a holy life unto God. That's why sacrifice is done not just because it's a good thing to do, because it speaks of the ultimate sacrifice that God has made for every human so that now your life not only does good, but listen, it is good because it draws people to the truth of Jesus Christ. And people change over and over and over again. Isn't that great? It's so good. Father, thank you for the privilege of thinking through today of all the fun and happiness and joy and smiles that are available to us. How can we just, how can we skip? And neither do we want to. The significance of life and death. The great exchange. Your life for ours. So that we might live eternally with you. And so today, as the church is praying, if you're here in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that right now. If you're here, you'd say, you know what, Ed, That's, you just described my life. And I need the second half. I need the fullness. I need to follow. Jesus even said this. Listen, he said this. He said, if any of you are weary and heavy laden, he said, come unto me and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. And you need that confidence that you're living a, li a, a life that's right with God. I want to invite you right where you are. Would you just stand to your feet and I want to pray with you. If you're here today and you know that you need to follow Christ, that's where. If you want to follow Jesus today, I want you to acknowledge it publicly before we leave. And that is why we gather. It's, we gather so that you might be introduced to the love of God so that you might engage with him. God bless you guys in the back over here. I see you. And I may not see you. You're downstairs or on the radio right here in front. You're on, I, I may not see you, but that standing's not even for God. It's for you. Standing doesn't save you. It just gives you an anchor to remember this day like never before. Bless you in the back. The songs that were sung will be in your mind. The room, the atmosphere, but more importantly, your life changed today. So I invite you to come. You're in a safe place 
on Grace FM, just pull over. Let's pray right on the, on the side of the road. Let's do this. It's following him. God bless you guys. Because everyone in here, everyone in here, we've all been there. Any believer in here has come to the place of decision. For me, it was on a Wednesday night. And nobody needed to convince me. I just needed to surrender. I knew how I walked in there. And I was really surprised. Man, how did that pastor know? The pastor knew nothing. God knew. <laughs> he was right there reminding me of his love. Remember the verse? Remember the verse? Remember the Bible verse you probably know even though you've never read the Bible? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but what? Have everlasting life. That's your verse. That's to you. You're the world. And so near and far, I want to invite you to pray so you can, God bless you in the back. I want you to pray to receive the Lord. I want you to obey what it says in Romans. And I'm just going to say a prayer. You can repeat it after me. It's not repeating it either. It has to come from the heart. But I just want to help you, you know, with the right words to come to God today. So you could say something like this. You ready? You could say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus to live for me. To die for me. And today, on Easter Sunday 2022, I believe that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I turn away from my sinful past and I dedicate my life to following you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.